It's another Saturday night in comedy, and as we come down from JFL Fever, we're returning to the streets of the Six with part two of yet another independent festival blowing up the Toronto stand-up scene. Is this really the golden age of the indie producer? Have the comics finally taken over the asylum? I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto, and as always, streaming all across the known Marvel Cinematic Universe on Global News Online. Can we get sued for saying that? Who gives a shit? This is our second last episode. I got our producer Vince Tedesco on the air with us, fresh from the streets of Montreal from yet another, kind of, I guess, our last go at, our last kick at the can of JFL, but Vince was there, he saw it all, he was in the streets, in the middle of the action, uh year 41 for the just for laughs festival obviously vince i mean last year we were talking about how it was the big 40th anniversary but this was kind of a special year too because this was really the first full-blown back wide open true return to form for the festival post pandy as we call it on this show uh so yeah vince you got there you shook some hands kissed some babies Met some comics, saw some shows, got some clips, which we probably don't need because we don't exist anymore after next week's episode, but that's fine. Uh, no, it was a great fest. It was a great fest. If you check out our social media right now, you'll see all the highlights from the red carpet from the JFL Awards. Great interviews with Ronnie Chang, Quinta Brunson, Burke Kreischer. Uh, all of that is up on our social media. Give it a shout or give it a, uh, a not a shout. Give it a, a check out. To, I don't know. Give it a sure. final. Look for it somewhere. Out. Certainly not but, on the radio. Well, we're not on. No, they won't air on the radio. They will air on our social. So check them out there. But yeah, another good uh, uh, festival in the books coming up to another one here in Toronto. Danforth Comedy. That is the thing. So we are going, you know, it's sort of that sort of like post JFL high where everyone comes back to Toronto and it's sort of like. I think for comics, it kind of feels like when you're a kid and it's the last day of summer, it's like, oh, the circus left town, all the everything, everything in comedy in Montreal just turns into like a Bruce Springsteen album after JFL leaves. There's just like, <laughs> there's just like tumbleweeds rolling down the street. There's like sad Montreal comics being like, where'd everything go? Yeah. So that's kind of the vibe over there. But now we're returning to the streets of Toronto because Vince, we, and we covered this last week. So this is round two for the Danforth Comedy Festival. Uh, because again, the Danforth has become quite a thriving little hub here in Toronto. You've got Comedy Bar version 2, Comedy Bar 2.0. You, of course, have the Heritage Club that was always the SoCap over there. Uh, you've got Dawn on the Danforth. So, of course, we got some comics taking over the Danforth with this fest. So, again, post-JFL fever, but now it's all about here in the six. And, of course, Vince, this is our penultimate episode. This is our second last episode. So what better way to lead into our final final wrap-up then a festival right here in our hometown of toronto yeah no better way to to emulate what this show is all about than an independent comedy festival on an independent radio show talking about canadian comedy that's, that's right over the city. for almost yeah. eight seasons and for this fest no better platform to try and sell some tickets on right now than inside jokes this is the hottest ticket in town this is to jump on this sinking ship here we go all right we got a full panel of comics, some new talent on the show, some returning friends, and one of my favorites, our, our lovely friend Sean Collin, who's always a great thrill on the air. We're going to kick it off right now. This is part two of Laughing on the Danforth, right here on Inside Jokes. I'm the king of the world! Welcome back to Inside 
Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto, and as always, streaming all across the entire known universe, wherever there's the internets on Global News Online. We're, of course, we're back from the streets of Montreal, we're back from post-JFL fever. Now, we're here in Toronto with an independent comedy fest, taking over the mean streets of the six. It's the Danforth Comedy Festival, it all kicks off this weekend. We have a full panel right now, we got the festival founder, and creator slash possible doctor. I'm not really sure. Luke Lindale is with us. How are you doing, man? I'm doing really good. How are you guys doing? We are great. And I'm telling you, you know, we're going to get into what this whole festival is all about. But I'm telling you right now, there is no finer platform to plug a burgeoning comedy festival right now than Inside Jokes. Because this is, we are two episodes away from getting cancelled. So this is the hottest ticket in town. Get on board the Titanic, everyone, with your comedy. <laughs> this is perfect. We have our returning friend of the show. Always a pleasure. Mr. Sean Collin is with us. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. It's wonderful to be here. I have not got any doctorates. <laughs> <laughs> a doctorate. I just graduated from university, in fact. I went back to school and finally got my BA. There you go. Well, you know what? If laughter is truly the best medicine, Sean Cullen, you've been medicating all of Canada for years, I would say, sir. How about that? Probably over-medicating. Odeed! Uh, <laughs> we go. OD'd. We're OD'd! We're OD'ing on laughter here on Inside Jokes. That's how it's all going down. We have Casey McNeil on the air with us. How are you doing this week? Uh, I'm great. Fantastical. Everyone seems lovely and wonderful and excited for this fest. And last but certainly not least, Samantha Ramsdell is with us. How are you doing this week? Yes, I'm good. How are you? Thanks for yeah, having me. We're, we're excited for this fest because, I mean, it, and again, we're going to get into what this whole thing is about, but it really does feel like that's sort of what's happening on the Toronto scene right now is a lot of the stuff that's going on is independent clubs that comics have started themselves, independent festivals that are really taking over the city that comics have built themselves the last couple of years, indie record labels. It really does kind of feel like the comics have kind of taken over the asylum in a way here in Toronto. And I think a lot of that is post-pandemic too, because, you know, everything was shut down and comics just went, well, screw it. I'm going to build my own stuff. Uh, first off, Luke, before we go to break and really get into what the sort of overall theme of this fest and all that stuff is, how much in a city like Toronto, which, yes, obviously we're coming back from a bit of a shutdown for a couple of years, of course, but in a city like Toronto where there are so many open mics and amateur nights and stuff like that, and it is at times so saturated with independent comedy, when you're building a fest like this and pooling the whole thing together, is it a bit of an uphill climb to just get audiences sold on a fest like this and go, no, this is a legitimate thing? Because there is sort of that catch-22 that happens in Toronto where a lot of times as comics, you'll run into somebody who went, well, I accidentally walked into an open mic at a bar one time and it was terrible and that's now what I think stand-up is. So is it a struggle to pull audiences in for something like this? I don't think it's no, it's not difficult. I mean, I, well, first of all, I'm building it off of uh, comedy nuggets where I already run uh, some popular shows and some successful shows. So audiences already know kind of like the quality of the comedians that come to those shows. And I mean, Toronto, we're lucky we have amazing comedians um, in, in the city, you know, and then, of course, we're bringing people from outside of Toronto as well. So and right now there's a boom in comedy everywhere. Stand up, you know, comedy, TikTok and Instagram, all those things are are all helping it's, I think it's incredible in the world right now, right? How, how much amazing comedians we have. You just talked about JFL, right? So, Well, and it does feel like there's sort of a new wave of audience, too, that's coming out because now they just spent two years at home streaming specials and listening to podcasts and downloading albums. And there's a lot of audience, I feel like, that's selling out shows right now that went, I've never actually gone and watched live stand-up before. And now I've been watching this stuff for the last two years and consuming all this content. So I want to go out 
and watch it happen live. And I think that is a bit of a boom that we're seeing in, in Toronto right now, post-pandy. We call it the pandy on Inside Jokes because uh, let's make it more fun. Let's make that a little more fun. But I really do feel like this is a perfect time in this city for a festival like this because there is really this this sort of spike in comedy audiences coming out and wanting to just unplug from life for 90 minutes and sit in a comedy club and get out and laugh again. It really does feel like that's what's going on in the city right now. Yeah, And also in the East End, I'd say along Danforth, right? I mean, I think that in Toronto, probably a lot of cities, the West End is always the popular part of town. And uh, the East End, along the Danforth, it's getting uh, more popular. I mean, Comedy Bar Danforth opened uh, about a year ago. SoCap has been there for a long time. And then Donna and Danforth is an, another venue. And they have other smaller venues and or restaurants along the Danforth that have comedy in them. So I think that's also another reason to do the festival, right? Like kind of bring more comedy to that part of town. There we go. Yeah. All right. It's coming to the Danforth. The Danforth Comedy Festival. We're going to come back with more of our panel, get into what this fest is all about. We will be right back right here with more Inside Jokes. Hi, it's Sam Ramsdell, and I'll be performing at the 9 o'clock show on August 11th at the Danforth Comedy Festival, and you're listening to Inside Joe. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on 640, and of course streaming all across Hey, internets on Global News Online. This week we are talking all things Danforth Comedy Festival. This is a new, big, independent fest taking over the comedy hub that is now the Danforth right here in Toronto. Uh, we got Luke, the festival founder, on the air with us. We got Casey, we got Sam, and of course we got the one and only Sean Collin, which, by the way, I mean, that's the exciting thing about this fest. Yes, it's an independent festival, and I mean, Luke, you've been producing shows like this for a while, but this is sort of, this is a huge fest that you're pooling together. I mean, you have headliners like sean you got nathan mcintosh coming in you've got comics coming in from la from the uk we talked to a few of them last week what sort of i mean because this fest yes the danforth i mean socap was there for years but now you have comedy bar too you got dawn on the danforth the danforth is sort of this new hub that's springing up because everything always centered around downtown clubs and west end toronto the east end was always sort of this far-flung its own little world out there it was like the shadowy place in the lion king for many years but now it's a bit of a hub. This fest, though, I mean, it's interesting. You have a mix of, you have stand-up, you have sketch, you have improv, you have musical comedy going on. You've got comics not just representing what the scene looks like here in Toronto, but you've got comics coming in from everywhere. Is there sort of like an overarching theme to this whole thing? How did this whole thing pool together for you? I think at the end of the day, I think I produced it uh, like how a comedian always thinks, right? Put amazing comedians in shows and audience will love the shows. So like for with Sean Cullen, for example, I think I'm I'm very happy that... I made a list of people I wanted and Sean Cullen was the person I wanted to close the festival and happily he said yes. Well, I didn't mean to close the festival. I think it'll... <laughs> it's yes. I mean, why not? We're closing inside jokes. You're just getting in at the perfect time of all these things, it's a Sean theme. Cullen. <laughs> Terrible. That's the theme is it's the end of summer. Well, I mean, Sean, for you, I mean, you know, listen, you've seen generations of comics come and go in this city. I'm sure you've done your share of little weird random independent shows that people 
talked you into doing when you see a festival like this starting i mean what's the thought for you as somebody who's been at this for so long and you've seen how much the industry has changed i mean even the last couple of years toronto has changed a lot it used to be all about you try and get booked by one of two clubs and then that's it and you get club work and you go hit the road and those were sort of the only inroads and you would try to get like you know the three big festivals and then maybe you'd get your visa and you would leave now sean it feels like and seeing even the cross section of a lot of the upcoming comics on a festival like this it does feel like it's sort of more artist driven right now like yes those gatekeepers are still very much there of course but it does feel like it's more possible for comics to sort of build their own things and be their own makers in a way well i think it's a part of the whole uh trend of media these days is just it is a cottage industry or it's become that or it's become a, an artisanal situation you know the thing is there's always been alternative comedy in toronto and all across canada there's an incredible number of people who are really talented and funny who never get to rise above that level and get into television or anything because there is really no television industry and and there is no uh you know, clubs, there's maybe one or two in Toronto, and then there's maybe a four or five across the country, really, that are dedicated clubs. So it's always going to be an independent kind of artisanal effort. And uh, I think it's just great that what I've seen, uh, when I first started out, it was very much competitive, and people were very much about, I need to get this level to get into Yuck X and then I'll get onto middling. Then I'll get to do, you know, my feature and then I'll, you know, become a double A feature. And then, and, you know, and it was very kind of adversarial, but what I think is amazing about say, I really noticed it when uh, comedy bar opened Gary uh, ride out junior open comedy bar. It, there's a huge community of people helping each other out and doing each other's shows and building the scene and uh, promoting each other. And it's so much more inclusive than when I was uh, starting out. Uh, so, and that's, and that coupled with uh, the social media and the internet and being able to send your work out from a very, any location in the world, you don't have to be in Los Angeles or New York. You can, do a show in Toronto and then have that broadcast and be out somewhere for everyone to see. So when I was starting, that was not an option. I mean, when I was in Corky and the Juice Pigs, if we'd had that option, I think we would have reached a lot more people who were like-minded, but we had to get onto TV, which was extremely square and conservative. So it wasn't going to happen, but it's, I'm, I don't mean to ramble on, but it's just, a, it's a renaissance, whether that can be turned into a profitable renaissance for everyone? That is the question. How do you monetize this new way of living and working? Because people are always going to be creative and produce, but how can they live uh, on, on what they do? And that, that's the biggest problem, I, I think. I mean, that's always been the crux in Canadian comedy, right? Is like, how can we, you can't pay your rent off of exposure. That's the, the Canadian comedians die of exposure. And I mean, that's the thing. But it is true, Sean. I mean, yeah, when Com Comedy Bar really was sort of the beginning of that community building in a lot of ways, because as you say, when you were coming up and when you were doing Corky and the Juice Pigs, that was it. You had to get on TV. You had to get on network TV or get a spot at the club. And that was it. And there was always that divide, right? Like there was always stand-ups are over here, sketches over here, improv is over here, musical comedies here 
stand-ups were always lone wolves and they were, you know, that isn't real comedy, only stand-up is. There was always this divide. Comedy bar was that place where all these sort of alternative acts just flooded into this little basement club and started working with each other and started hanging out with each other. And there was a lot of this sort of cross-pollinating that happened. Well, yeah, and that's what Toronto looks like now. It's the hybridization of a lot of different comedy styles too, like cabaret and of improv. Uh, you know, coming up with formats. Formats are incredibly important, like uh, this whole roast battling and uh, all of these things that are building into something that create new ways of doing it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes I think the formats are the stars for a lot of shows. It's just finding new ways so that you can do your comedy, you know, tricking people into getting into this room and then you can... perform for them but people are very inventive and uh it's it's great i I think it's amazing how uh how creative people have become to create new shows and yeah as you said like even you know when you're corking the juice pigs if you had had you know independent labels or just your own platform to put that stuff out on when you were first doing it's like imagine the numbers that would have been there so i think it's gonna be a lot different now for comics coming up because now they do have access to all these platforms that, you know, five minutes ago didn't exist. And it is really sort of changing the game for comics. I mean, Casey and Sam, for both of you, you're here in Toronto. This scene is sort of, it's gone, it's undergone a bit of a revitalization because there is a lot of new independent clubs right now. And a lot of the sort of old heritage rooms that used to be around don't exist anymore. So there's a lot of new stuff going on right now. But for both of you, I mean, doing a fest like this, yeah, it's a chance to, you know, showcase in front of a wider audience. It's a good credit to put beside your name. Does geography matter anymore for both of you? Is it for comics coming up now? Is it still all about do some festivals, get a paperwork, and then go to LA or New York and get out of here? Does geography matter anymore for either of you? Well, the proximity for me matters, but I live in Boston, so yeah. so you know it's a little it's a little bit different for me. And the scene is and the scene is you know is a little bit different here in Boston. But I agree with Sean that the that the format is starting to become the star about some things, and thank God because putting butts in seats is what it's about. Like in '90s, the people that really understood, like the comedy business, understood it was a restaurant business. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was about it was about selling food and getting people in seats, and you know they you pay, you papered the room if you had to, and you called up, you had people on phones calling corporations, giving away tickets and stuff so that they could come to shows because you wanted them in there eating. Um, but now you have things like you know don't tell shows here in Boston and Northeast are really popular. I don't know if you guys have them up there, but they're like these secret location shows and they sell out all the time, constantly. So you know there's a lot of new sorts of innovative formats out there. It really, I mean, we're seeing definitely more of that happening right now in Canada, and because again, it was always just about you live in one of like the three sort of hubs, and the rest of the time you're just doing long stretches of kilometers in Canada and going from town to town and that stuff still exists, but it definitely is more, again, it feels like it's more in the hands of the comic, which I do want to pick Sam's brain about when we come back from break. Cause again, I feel like the Toronto landscape of standup in this city right now is vastly different from what it was even five years ago. Let's say yeah. we're going to come back with more of our full panel, more laughing on the Danforth. We'll be right back right here on inside jokes. Hi, I'm Casey McNeil. I'm part of the Danforth Comedy Festival, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. It's easy like walking. It's easy like walking. Easy like walking. Easy like walking. 
Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640, which you know because that's how you're listening to this right now. And of course, as always, streaming all across the entire damn internet on Global News Online. This week, we are talking all things Danforth Comedy Festival. This is part two of this independent fest taking over the Danforth, taking over the streets of Toronto. Coming up, it all kicks off this weekend. We, of course, have Luke Linsdale, who's the founder of this fest. You might know him from the Instagram ads. Walking around on the Danforth, you're like he's like the Six Flags guy of Canadian comedy at the moment. That's what he is. He's out there. That's exactly what I want. That's 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 the moniker I'm looking for. You're out there really selling this thing. But again, it's it is exciting because it it is a very cross mixed format festival. I mean, you got stand up, you got sketch, you got improv, you got comics like Casey coming in from the U.S. You got comics coming in from Boston, L.A., even the U.K. We got some of our biggest Canadian headliners, of course including our own Sean Cullen, who's on the air right now. Uh, Sam Ramsdell, I want to pick your brain on this because we were trying to, kind of talking to Casey in Boston about this before the break. But for you as a Canadian comic right now, again, it used to always be Toronto was just sort of the, you know, that's our main hub. But then that was the springboard. It's like you get the club and you stay here or you get the paperwork and you leave. That was kind of it. Does it matter now so much with all these new formats and with things just being open to a wider global audience does geography matter for you as a comic right now? Like, is it? Can, do you think you can just build things here at home? I mean, we're seeing weird hub. Like, look at Austin, Texas has become this huge new hub. Vancouver has really come into its own with the record labels and sweeping the Junos and all that stuff. For you, does that does it matter where you live and work right now? No, I live in Connecticut actually right now, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I do shows all over. I am kind of unique because I kind of go where my following goes. You know, I have a pretty big. I have about 3.7 million followers. So a lot of it is like kind of going where my audience is. I have a huge audience in Texas, actually. So I've been doing shows in Austin. I just got home from San Antonio last night. Um, but I've, you know, I've been meaning to go. I haven't. And obviously, yeah. you know, I'm I'm in Connecticut. I'm in Stamford, which is like 30 miles outside New York City. So I go into the city a lot. I do a lot at the stand and I do a lot at Gotham and um, comic strip. So I'm in and out of the city quite a bit. But it really, I mean, it feels like, you know, it's, we, we've kind of broken into this younger culture too. I feel like out my shows, like I feel like, uh, of course, a lot of people who come to my shows are people who follow me, but almost over 50% of them have never been to a stand-up show before. So I think with social media, it's really breaking people into the world of stand-up comedy that may have never been interested in going to a show and now are going from all over, you know, the U.S. Um, looking to yeah, find a way to giggle. It does really feel like that's what's happening in stateside and in Canada is, yeah, a lot of these audiences that, again, were watching and listening to stuff, but they never went and checked out a festival. They never saw a live stand-up. Now they're coming out and they've never experienced it before. Because in a city like Toronto, again, this is one of our hubs here in Canada, but we are saturated with a lot of open mics. And you get those people that come out to shows going, I saw a terrible thing one time by accident, and now I think that that's what stand-up is. So we are getting a whole new audience that it feels like coming out on both sides of the border after after all this stuff that's happened the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, the, uh, I don't mean to interrupt Samantha, but I just wanted to underline what she's saying is I think that the social media is a much more personal uh, way of reaching fans and they feel more personally involved with you. And also the way the world is, you put out an album, it's stolen immediately and ripped and put on the internet and everybody has it for free. What all of this stuff is, is just advertising for your live shows. That's the only way you really make money anymore. So 
if you can reach 3 million people and have them come to shows and sell out everywhere you go, that's what it, that's what it's for. That, you know, all, everything becomes about that. Yeah. It really is. And I mean, but yeah, I feel like a lot of those comics that would have sort of shunned those platforms not that long ago had to flock to this stuff. And it really is, it really is changing the game. You can build your own audience now. I mean, Sam, as you were saying, you could, you know, you're working in Connecticut, but you're hitting the road all the time. You're pounding the pavement, but now, you know, you can build 3 million followers on these platforms. It's, it's another tool for comics that again, a lot of people would have walked away from it, but now it's so tied into things. It's well, some amazing. people can build the 3 million people in contact. <laughs> You know, that's the thing. So I, I was, I, I listened to this ASMR thing at night. It's a box fan has 12 million views. Yeah. <laughs> well, this a box a fan. You know, my, my best fucking joke, excuse me, my best joke, my best joke has like, you know, 2000 views or something like that. Well, maybe you should put a box fan with your joke then. <laughs> that's it. <a> can. <laughs> Start to get creative there, you know? <laughs> there's, there's a man who just dances. Like he goes, it's an older guy, maybe 75. He puts on a nice shirt and he puts on some lights and he just dances to songs. People love it. But the thing is, it's really frightening to be, I don't know, because maybe I'm old, but there's the people confuse that with performance, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Not the same. You know, like we're comics are different. We create jokes, we create, we're writing things, we're making things, we're composing. And then, you know, you're in there fighting against a cat fell in a garbage can, you know, and <laughs> like, oh boy. But I feel do? like they're different mediums, though, too, right? So it's like, yes, I agree with what Sean's saying. Like, what what's going to work in social media if you bring your cat on stage in, on stand up? Of course, <laughs> like, what's happening, right? Uh, however, and to Casey's point, if you do some of your best stand up, maybe it doesn't fly on on TikTok, for example. No. But but the thing is, one one is a conduit to the other, or they're they're different mediums, so different things work, and and it's kind of like. You do some crappy video or let, let's say it is crappy in your mind and but it gets a lot of attention. But those people think you're funny. And then when they come to the show, they also think you're funny, but you're doing a different thing. So it's kind of like one. Yeah. I don't think necessarily one takes away from the other, except I do know that as comedians, a lot of times we're like, I don't want to do this garbage just to get people to come to my show. But I think you do have to enjoy it still. I think well, and it is another platform right i mean it's you look at how closely married podcasting has become to the comedy world but that's not the same version of you that you are on stage doing material that's like that's listeners getting to sit in the green room and hearing comics talk to each other and you know step away from their material and sort of open up a bit more so it is a different animal for sure well i think it's a different medium like you have to approach it as a different art artistic medium it's not like stand-up it's this thing and that's right exactly it's for you it's like it's like some comics who go, oh, a Zoom show. I'd never considered doing a Zoom show. Are you kidding me? A Zoom show. I'm like, why not? You know, yeah, there's jokes you can't do there because they only work on stage. And there's jokes that only work in this thing because I can mug for the camera and they don't work on stage the same way. But it's like I sometimes have audiences of a some of the shows I do have 100 people in the audience, another 100 on Twitch, you know, 100 in the Zoom room and 100 on Twitch. Like then they show up at my, my, in the clubs and, and come yeah. and see me in the clubs. 
It has changed. I mean, as Sean Cullen knows, we live in a country where you don't get more than two seasons of of a comedy TV show unless it's somebody jumping out from behind rose bushes and scaring someone, and there's slide whistle music. That's about it. <laughs> Even I this like, radio show is getting canceled. <laughs> I, like, I like when old people are scared to death. That is the height of comedy for me. When old people. <laughs> are approached by men with guns. Yeah. <laughs> They're scared, and then they say it's not a joke. That's my favorite kind of comedy. Yeah. I have to say. As long as it's got a cowbell ringing after it. <laughs> That's what gets renewed here in Canadian comedy. No <laughs> included. All right. So much more to get into. we got a full panel. We're going to come back with more of the Danforth Comedy Festival. And again, it all kicks off this very weekend right here in Toronto. we got comics from the U.S., from the U.K., from all over Canada, and, of course, some of the creme de la creme right here in the six. It's all happening on the Danforth. We're going to come back with more of it right here on Inside Jokes. I'm Sean Cullen, proud to be part of the Danforth Comedy Festival and even prouder to be on Inside Jokes. You're listening to it. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto. And of course, as always, you can stream all of it online on Global News Online. We're talking all things Danforth Comedy Festival. It all kicks off here in Toronto this weekend. We're going to get into where you can get your tickets, catch some live shows, catch the acts, all that good stuff. Uh, one thing we have to talk about on the panel, because, you know, there's every time there's a loss in the comedy world, we, we talk about that with the panel uh, this week. For this week's show, Paul Rubens, a.k.a. the iconic Pee Wee Herman, passed away. And it's funny because Canadian comedy always had this very sort of absurdist element to it. I mean, if you go back, you look at a lot of our sketch, certainly Kids in the Hall, Codco, SCTV, Sean Cullen and our own friends at Corky and the Juice Pigs. A lot of this Canadian comedy always had this weird sort of self-deprecating and very absurdist element to it. I think because we're maybe this weird stepchild between, you know, you go to America right next door. So we're, we have those sensibilities and we have that behemoth right next door to us. And we have a lot of like this UK sensibility, I think, in our comedy. So we're this weird sort of redheaded stepchild in the middle. I don't know if you're allowed to say that anymore. But yes, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens passed away this week. Very absurd comedian, very eccentric material and sort of crossed generations. What do we all on the panel think about that? Because I mean, again, in the comedy world, you know, 
we've been no strangers to losses in the comedy world, especially these past couple of years. We've lost a lot of Titans on both sides of the border. What do we all think of Paul Rubens passing away? I think it's terrible. I think he was a genius. He was a brilliant comic. And I will tell you a, a personal story. I never met the man, but I saw him do comedy early, early, early in his career when he yeah. was going to different. He was not doing it in, in uh, comedy clubs. He was hitting nightclubs where where promotional bands and sometimes would go. And he had this bag. He was like a prop comic. And he had a bag full of props. And the stuff and the so the, the giant stuff and that you'd see on his shows that he had sort of like small little things that were novelty items like that that he would pull out of his bag that you could only find in the most obscure weird stores that he must have gone to. And he had the best routine from the thing and was just absolutely unashamed, totally refreshing, totally unique. And I knew he was gonna set the world on fire. It was like 1981. 80, wow. maybe. 81. Yeah. It is um, true. He, he sort of tapped into, you know, I mean, the character, he was, it was a man-child character, but it, he did really tap into, I mean, for those of us who grew up watching Pee-wee's Playhouse and watching, you know, the Tim Burton movies and all that stuff. But even as adults, he sort of tapped into the inner child and everyone. There was this eccentric absurdism to his comedy, but it was also very innocent in a lot of ways. Well, I think he was a child. I mean, the character is a clown. Right, he's in tight clothes, don't fit. He's got makeup on. He's a he's a child with that kind of intensity uh, and demanding nature. Who wants everything to be the right way? He wants it. But he, what was amazing about him was that he could make a show like Pee Wee's Playhouse, and you knew there were a lot of drunk, hungover people watching it in the morning <laughs> and loving it because it was just insane. And that tradition has really kind of gone away. Like you can't just have a show that's not really educational. Uh, it's just entertaining for kids. It's not allowed. So, and then movie is beautiful. It's such a beautiful piece of filmmaking. But what's amazing about him is how committed he is to this character. He reminds me a lot of like Will Ferrell in that he can commit so completely and, and what's great about Pee-wee is he does things that you don't expect him to do. You think this is a petulant child. He's going to go into this biker bar. He's going to knock down all their bikes. It's going to be a fight or something. And he wins them over by dancing tequila. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best moment ever. So, yeah, he's a genius and a brilliant man. And it's very, very sad. Well, and he was a great example, too, of one of those comics who, you know, they do a dramatic role and you see this other side of a comedian where it's like, they're somehow able to shift into that as well. Because when, you know, 2001, when he was in blow, that was sort of a comeback for him in a lot of ways, because of course, you know, he had the whole theater controversy thing hanging over him in the early nineties, but then that went away and everybody saw, you know, and then he started coming back in comedic roles, but we saw him in blow and everyone went, Paul Rubens is actually a Great actor. fantastic actor. Well, I just have one thing to say about that. Well, if he was caught in a like, it's not great. He was caught uh, masturbating in a in sure. a porn theater, right? That tends to come up, yeah. There's yeah. A Who's calling the police? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, Hi, I'm at a porn theater watching Big Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the film because there's a man masturbating right now. <laughs> Would you like my address and phone number? Yes, police officer, <laughs> come down. <laughs> yes. I don't understand. Anyway. 
that is true. That is fair. It was, it was, it had to be a fellow patron, but again, I mean, it was, you know, I, he was a brilliant comic and, and it was, we got to see once in a while his acting chops as well. And it is funny because you see a lot of those comics that are so absurd and are so larger than life. Robin Williams was always a fantastic example of that because they could then pivot over into these dramatic roles and completely absorb themselves in that. It's weird. It's almost like it's two sides of the same coin. It's the comedy Tragic. He also did comedy characters that weren't Pee Wee too. Like oh, yeah, exactly. in, 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 the, in the with Cheech and Chong, that was a great movie. That's where yeah. you, I'm sorry I took the money. I'm not sorry. That's the thing. It's when you have that character that's your most iconic thing, you know, that sort of overshadows everything else. We, you know, a lot of people don't get to see his whole repertoire and what he was capable of and how many things he did put out into the world. Uh, but anyways, I just want to say for me, I like Sean was saying for me when I was. Uh, when Pee Wee Playhouse was on, I used to watch it the next morning at 10 a.m. with a friend of mine, and we'd take the word of the day, and then that entire day, we would go around with each other and just be like, ah! This kind uh, of thing. And then we would go out that following night, and we'd be in the bar, and when everyone would say it, we, we would just yell like that, you know, like yeah. idiots. And um, and I think like that he gave that to people, right? He gave that that enjoyment to people, and that you could take that outside of that, and so so playful, and and like outside of the character, right? And so so playful, you can do other things with it. And like he's and like Sean said, yes, definitely a lot of drunk people were watching that at ten o'clock that morning, <laughs> Saturday mornings. Little known fact: Lawrence Fishburne played the cowboy on. Uh, oh yeah, yes, he did. Yeah. yeah, he was the cowboy. I can't remember his name. Cowboy something or other, but yeah, he was just in purple. He had the hat on. Lawrence Fishburne. There we go. All right. Rest in peace, Mr. Paul Rubens. Uh, again, before we wrap it up here, so Luke, where can we hit up tickets for the fest, catch the shows, catch the acts, all that good stuff? Yeah, so on Instagram, it's uh, a Danforth Comedy Festival. And then also the website is danforthcomedyfestival.com. Uh, we've got shows at SoCap at 154 Danforth and at uh, Comedy Bar Danforth at uh, Dawes Road in Danforth and Dawn on the Danforth, uh, which is just a... Uh, west of main street um anyways check out the tickets uh, again uh, august 4th to 6th and 11th to 12th there we go that is our panel and don't forget so hit up the danforth comedy festival we got some of toronto's best of the best hitting the stage we got some of our favorite canadian headliners and we got comics coming in from the u.s we've got sam coming in from connecticut we got casey coming in from boston we got some comics coming in from la comics coming in from the uk uh, and there's a little bit of everything on that fest. That is our panel. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sean Cullen. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Luke. You can listen to all of our episodes right back to the beginning of time on Global News Online. That is our panel. And don't forget, we will be back next week, returning to the studio for what will be our final wrap-up here on Inside <laughs> Jokes. Just one episode shy of 400, one episode shy of eight seasons. Tune in next week as we wrap it all up and kick off You know what was eight years of some of our favorite in comedy that is our panel we'll be back next week this week's comedy rx is sean cullen and the thing is i don't trust the legal system i don't trust lawyers the only lawyer i think i'd trust is a southern lawyer you know the lawyers in all those grisham movies who just are you know they just they have it they have something they're more than the law well It's mighty hot in here today, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen of the jury? It's mighty hot, Your Honor, prosecutor. 
It is mighty hot in here today. You know what would go down just fine right now? A nice cold glass of lemonade. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fine? A nice cold glass of lemonade. But this is not a lemonade stand. This is a corridor. There will be no lemonade. There will be only justice. Thank <laughs> you.